Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Financial infidelity is when couples with combined finances lie to each other about money. Examples of financial infidelity can include hiding existing debts, excessive expenditures without notifying the other partner, and lying about the use of money. Financial infidelity can create tension and difficulty in relationships that may lead to the end of the relationship if not corrected. The best way to rectify financial infidelity is to come clean about it and perhaps discuss the issue with a counsellor. Creating monthly budgets and being transparent about expenditures will also help. Excessive spending and lying about money may be symptoms of deeper issues that are worth exploring with a health professional. I'm Glenn James. I'm also lazy because I'm just reading the key takeaways from an Investopedia article about financial infidelity. Welcome to the podcast today. We can't do my millennial money without our friends at Tao. Tao, they're our show partner. And when things go wrong with your health or the health of a loved one, you may find yourself doing many things for the first time. It's sometimes tricky to know where to start and it can feel overwhelming. At Tao, they're here to support their customers and make their claim as easy as possible. Because remember, when you invest in any type of insurances, you are buying a claim. Tao, that's T-A-L, protecting this Australian life. For more information, click the link in the show notes, or if you want some help from a quality financial advisor about your own personal protection, head to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and I'll be more than happy to introduce you to one of our preferred advisors. This episode I recorded live at FinCon in Orlando, Florida, and I'm joined by Chris Browning and Alison Bagley, and you're in for a real treat. We had a lot of fun talking about financial infidelity, and then we talked about the best money win that you've had recently. Lots more. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys soon. Chris Browning, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Glenn. It's always good talking with you. It is. It's so good. Alison Bagelli. Yes. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Now, before we get into these questions today, can you give everyone a bit of a a who's who? Like, what do you do? Who are you? Etc. So, my name is Allison Baggerly. I'm the founder of Inspired Budget, and I teach women how to budget, pay off debt, and save money. I have a pretty good Instagram following, um, TikTok. I'm actually just finished writing a book. Awesome. Yes, which is going to come out in 2023. And I never thought I would start a business or talk about money because I love to spend money. It's like... Amen. Brings me so <laughs> much joy. It's just wonderful. And... My husband and I found ourselves in over $111,000 worth of debt on two teacher salaries, and we couldn't afford daycare payments. So something had to change. We learned how to write a budget, pay off our debt, and I loved the freedom, the control, the empowerment that managing my money gave me. Mm. And 
I'm still able to spend when I want on what I want and what I value. Um, and so it, I was able to basically turn this into a business and yeah. talk to other women who have found themselves exactly where I was. So you left teaching mm-hmm. to become a teacher. Yes. So I teach adults now. Awesome. <laughs> which I can't like take away their phone. No. When they're not paying attention. <laughs> Or, or give them detention or anything. But, you know, I was able to take my skill set of teaching and really explaining concepts to where it makes sense and my passion for personal finance and put them together. Awesome. Chris, give us an update for those who may have not heard you on previous podcast episodes. Yes, sir. It's very nice to be talking with you again. My name is Chris Browning. I'm the host of the Popcorn Finance Podcast. It's a short form show where I discuss finance and about the time it takes to make a bag of popcorn. So, cover really anything in the personal finance space from investing, paying off debt, all that good stuff, but in short little bite-sized pieces, just because I don't want it to be intimidating. It's about having this be approachable. The more people we can feel that we can make feel that they can come in, learn this stuff, get comfortable and not fall into some of these traps we all fall into, uh, the better. So I try to do that through nice, easy, plain language, simple episodes that I put out every week. Yeah. Awesome. Let's get into some questions. Where do we want to start? Do you see any questions there that you want to... I do. Yeah. I know you had one. Who who said it and what's the question? This one comes from Dora and she says, financial infidelity. What should I do when my partner hides their money and debt from you? Jeez. I've got no idea how to answer that. Oh, okay. So I have experience with this, not personally, but um, I've witnessed this in a family and what it can do to a marriage personally. Um, and it, you know, it all comes from, from hiding things. And why do we hide things? They become from shame and guilt. And that can lead to so much stress in a relationship. So first off, I, I personally feel like when there is financial in- infidelity, let's just say credit card debt, for example, racking up credit card debt, racking up debt in general, and hiding it from your spouse, both people need to be willing to work on it. And if both people aren't willing to work on it, then there's going to be a problem. And I personally think that no one's perfect. We're no, we all have things that we need to work on in our life. And when we're able to own that and say, okay, I know I have this struggle. I know I have this problem. I'm willing to set clear boundaries around my life and around my money. Then you can overcome that financial infidelity, but it takes both people. Mm-hmm. And so what I've seen happen is the person who... Is, is lying and is hiding that, them choosing to say, okay, I know I have a problem. I'm going to create some sort of boundary and it might look like giving my credit cards away and receiving almost like a cash allowance. Not because you're a toddler, not mm-hmm. because you're a child, but because you realize that that is a healthy boundary for you to set, but it doesn't mean it's a forever boundary. Do you think it's, it's really like, and full disclosure, I'm not married. I don't live or do anything with anyone like um you know <laughs> my money's my money and you know all that stuff but do you think the issue isn't really the debt is it it's the secret mm-hmm. exactly exactly have you had any experience with any of your listeners writing in or anything that you've seen around this topic chris yeah well actually allison and i we host a podcast together yeah i was actually gonna say you need yeah. to talk about that as well yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. well i'll throw it in there we, we host a podcast together called this is awkward it's a show where we have People call in or write in with their awkward money situations, and then we talk them through it, hopefully allowing them to keep their friends and family along the way as we, they work through this. And I feel like this is a pretty common one. We've gotten this yes. one a couple of times. Really? 
And typically it's the person who is not hiding the money, but has discovered that the other person is hiding their spending or their debt habits, then they're coming to us. And I think the advice that we most often give in the situation is that you have to approach that person with respect, even though maybe they've disrespected you in the relationship by hiding things and lying to you. It never makes the situation better by coming in with conflict and accusing them being angry because they're just immediately going to get defensive. If someone comes at you and is like, I know what you've been doing. You've been cheating and hiding this money from me. I'm so upset. Why could you do this? They're going to just close up. They're going to close up and it's going to be hard to move forward. And of course, you have to you know, think about yourself and manage your own emotions. It's not going to be easy not to let that take over. But I think it's important to come at it with as level-headed of a place as you can when you address this just because you know it, it can be it can easily blow up and become a spot where you just can't even talk about this anymore now i am going to say oh okay, okay. Oh, i am going to say that i think that it is totally okay for you to like yell and get mad and have those initial emotions like i think that's okay but i do think that there needs to still be respect yes and also great not even just grace but knowing that that just because that person made that choice doesn't make them a bad person. And it doesn't mean that those choices can't be changed and there can't be growth that happens. And so, yes, sit in that pain for a little bit, but then say, okay, what are we going to do to move forward with this together? And what I've seen is the people who aren't willing to move forward with it together, that's when there's going to be this shift, you know, this, this divorce, really. Yeah, I had a client coming to the office while it was a husband and wife. They came in uh, doing some financial planning and it was the usual situation. The husband walked out to the bathroom and the wife said, oh, hey, I've, I've got a $16,000 credit card debt that he doesn't know about. What should I do? And my instant first response was tell him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, like, I don't actually know what to do, but we need to get to the bottom of this so it doesn't happen again. And I think, you know, some of these situations, they're not money problems. They're a relationship problem. Yes. And all exactly. the money podcasts, all the financial planning in the world can't solve it. And I've had so many clients where I said, look, I actually can't help you because it's not a money problem. It's a relationship mm-hmm. problem. Wow. And sure, I can take your money, do the best financial plan in the world, but... It'd be, I think it'd be a waste of your money and I'm not keen on actually taking your money given this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, there's so many, I think, money situations that people find themselves in that aren't really a money problem. Yeah. It's like an emotional problem. It's a, I, I'm, I'm upset with something else. I'm stressed at work. This is my release. It's a way of finding happiness well, through the money, not well, because of you don't know what you're doing. And well, that's like if we take that, turn that up to 11, like when we have credit card debt, it's, you know, that $16,000 credit card debt, she didn't buy a $16,000 lounge no. in one exactly. go. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's the death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. And is there an underlying thing where I'm not happy in my life? Mm. I It's my crutch. I spend to feel good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel bad because I'm spending. Oh, I'll just do this. And like, yeah. I've been saying this a while. Humans are an irrational bag of chemicals. <laughs> <laughs> and no one's above that. No. And it's yep. sloppy. Mm-hmm. And we've all been in situations where the issue manifests in our bank account or credit cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But back to the relationship, I can only think if I was in that situation, or no, let, let me go the other side of it. If I get married and join finances, I would want to get in the situation where 
we are setting a fence up at the top of the cliff. So it doesn't happen. So there is visibility. Yeah. And this isn't like, I don't know why I'm going on a rant, but whatever. Um, this isn't like we've got our own money and we don't show it. Maybe it needs to be that we have our own money, but there is some type of accountability within each other or mm -hmm. something. So it doesn't happen. Yeah. Like, so let's go there. You guys are married, not to each other. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> that no, would be I wild. Would, no, <laughs> no. He's like a brother. I, I just want to punch him most of the time. Yeah. Thank so you. You're welcome. How do you guys manage money conceptually in your relationships? Mm -hmm. So for my husband and I, we got married at, when I was 24. We were very young. And the philosophy, you know, we were taught was you have a joint account. So we do have a joint account. And I, I'm, I'm, I love like the details. I'm in the details of it all. So I pretty much am the day-to-day -day manager of the money. But we do have a weekly money meeting. Now... I bet those weeks come around fast for him. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't mind it because we make it fun. Yeah. So, but also, I'm a business owner. Mm. And... I actually contract him out to edit my podcast. And so I I send him that money and it goes to a total separate checking account. And he, that's like his spending money. He loves it. And I love that he has that, right? So he feels like he's, he's not a toddler. He's not any of that. So he has that money that he can spend on his own. So I've heard of people that will have a joint account for all the bills and for all of those spendings. And then you have your own spending account. And then you don't need to micromanage someone if they are showing time and time again that they're managing that money properly. It's whenever the person hasn't learned how to manage that money, they're dealing with other things underneath and poor spending comes into play and it is a consequence for a deeper issue. So you saying trust is the bedrock of any relationship. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is actually a marriage podcast. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And Chris, how do you do it down in uh, California? Down in old Southern California. You know, it's we originally started off similar to Allison. We, I got married when I was 25. And my wife was 24. And, you know, we were broke, so there wasn't a whole lot of management needed. Yeah. You got to have money to manage it. <laughs> yeah. I'll get $5. You get $5. Yeah. Um, oh, my but, gosh. <laughs> but we, we had everything in one account together. But we found that that was not going to work. It's too hard because there's too many transactions in and out. We didn't know who was doing what. So we did transition over to what Allison was describing, where we have a joint account where the bulk of the money goes into, where all the bills are paid out of, but then we do our own separate thing on the side, which is necessary because you don't want to have, like, like someone's like judging every purchase you make. Mm. And you also want to have your own autonomy. You know, I don't want to be like, every time I do something, she's going to know exactly what I'm spending or, or I'm going to be like, what did you spend that money on? You don't want to have that type of relationship. But even no matter, I think no matter what arrangement you use, you're still relying on a ton of trust because they could still go open up a credit oh, card yeah. on their own and rack up debt. You have no idea. There's no mm. way of you for you to know. So no, there's no arrangement that I think could provide complete transparency for both people at all given times because you're still trusting each other to do the right thing and not, you know, get themselves in a horrible situation. I have a question, though. Sure. Go Let's on. say that someone, maybe any of us, we do find out that our partner is racking up debt behind your back, right? They come to you, they say, or, or you catch it, whatever. It doesn't even matter. I want to give the person, Dora, who wrote in with this question, maybe some sort of action steps. Like, okay, here's here are some tips on how you can approach this. Here's something you can do because it almost sounds like we're talking about like how to prevent it. But some people are in this situation right now and they're saying, what's my next step? 
I would... I, c- I can only speak from a hypothetical thing because I'm obviously mm. not married. But I would... I would actually... I think a cool key thing in everyone's life is to have... We've all got the one or two people, the life-giving friends. Mm-hmm. I think you need a quote-unquote sanity check with your person or your life-giving friend that you trust explicitly. With And, and, and you're going to have to, you know, walk on that tightrope. You know, you don't want to tell state secrets of your marriage or whatever. But right. I don't know, like, would you go, hey, this is happening Am I crazy or is that normal or I don't know, like obviously you'd want to talk to your spouse, but I don't know. What do you reckon? I mean, to me, you're describing my therapist. Yeah. (laughs) Well, maybe it's that. (laughs) I'm like, are you talking about Kelby? Because that's my therapist. Yeah. Like, I, I think it's important that you like, and, and this kind of, we can go there, like just to discuss it as a healthy thing, like. Stuff like this could have come out of, I did this because I was in a financially abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So, I think we need to always, you know, before you lob the grenade over, mm-hmm. it's like, <laughs> did you cause this problem yourself? Like, did I not set good boundaries mm-hmm. or was I too overpowering and was I the saver and not allowing this person to flourish in their life and live and, I don't know, like... I mean, it, it, it can get so complicated and so messy because there's so many situations that could cause something like this to happen. It could be, like you said, it could be the person that was with someone who's so controlling that the only release they have is to go and just spend on their own. Or it could be someone who's just being irresponsible and like, hey, look, I wanted to go buy some stuff. And so I did. And, you know, whatever. It's my, it was my decision to make. So I think it's so hard to, to know if you how you need to approach this. I think it's good, like you said, to have someone to speak with. But you always hope that your spouse will be the person that you could go to to be honest and have these conversations. Mm. But and it, only you would know that and what the temperature of the relationship is, right? Yeah. And and sometimes when you first find out that spouse, you might be have so many feelings towards them in a negative way that that might not be healthy to have that conversation right away. And so working it out with a friend, working it out with a therapist is a good way to say, okay, where do I stand in this? And am I justified in my feelings? Here is what I'm feeling. Am I justified in it? And what what can we do next to move forward in our relationship to get us out of that? I, I think it's funny before, like you said, it's okay to yell and all that. Yeah. Like, that's such a, a personality thing. Like I've actually never been really mad. At, what? Yeah. Like I internalize everything and I, I'm a seether almost. Oh, right? do you yeah, push right it all down? You. Oh yeah, absolutely. You push it. Well, oh. that's just the men, yeah. and right? Then it, and that, then it erupts yeah, and then it's yeah, like because, Pompeii Mark II. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but, no, you go, Chris. Oh no, I was just gonna say, yeah, because Allison said, you know, respectfully yell. I don't, I've never, I don't think I've ever respectfully well, no, yelled at res- someone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying respectfully yell. What I'm saying is, it's okay to cry. It's okay to get angry. It's okay to say, "Why did you do this? You are hurting our relationship. You're hurting our money. I'm mad at you." It's mm. okay to say all those other yeah. things. It's not okay to name call. It's not okay to assign like future things. Like you're ruining our life forever. Like, okay, we don't know that, but it's okay to express yourself in a way that is not demeaning to the other person. I've, I've just read the book um, Don't Split the Difference by Chris Voss, the negotiation book. And some of the, it's a good book for anyone to read because he talks about like when you approach a situation, you're not rocking up with a grenade and mm-hmm. all these accusations. 
It's like, hey, I've noticed this. Can you help me understand how this came to be? Just from a seek first to understand. Yes. And but, but that's a personality temperament thing, right? Yes. It is. But when it turns negative and it turns into that name calling and all of that, that's when you got to shut it down because mm. it's not going anywhere. And I think that's where you benefit from having a third person come in, whether it's mm-hmm. doing this in a couples therapy environment or if you need to get your disrespectful yelling out first, you go talk to your friend, mm-hmm. vent all that out, then you can get into Look, the calmer conversation. I, yes. I, I would hang my hat on, and this is just from my anecdotal experience in coaching hundreds of couples face-to-face as a financial advisor, right? When I've seen the financial infidelity, usually what happens is the relationship has had a, what's the word, like a, a split or there's a, a crack in the relationship mm-hmm. and it's just a symptom Yeah. because a lot of the time when people divorce or separate, that happened 18 months ago yes. and the actual separation is the physical execution where that person left the relationship 18 months ago. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, seek first your own advice and your experience may vary. Check the PDS. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dora, though, yeah. for sending that in. Chris, any uh, juicy things that you want to have a chat about there? Oh, I think this is a perfect one for us. This feels like a this is awkward questionnaire. What is it? It's from Bo. Uh, inability to say no when friends or family pressure you to go out and spend money. This is a good Gosh. One. I don't... It's a... Dang. Hang on. I think it is a personal boundary slash confidence issue. Ooh, confidence issue. Look, they're cheering us on. Yeah. Is it a cheerleading convention? Yeah. So, everyone, we're at uh, FinCon (laughs) recording this live, and next door, there's an MLM conference. (laughs) (laughs) And, look, it's it's actually wild. Like, Vince, who I'm with, he started talking to a lady, and he pulled the thread, and he got the pitch. Oh, my gosh. And then we were up... Vince, Nathan, and I were up in um, in the hotel, and there was these three people walking. They were all Facebook Live. Oh no! Walking and and we were walking behind them, and I said to Nathan, "Oh, let's say some like like token stuff." And I'm like, "So it's all about that positive mindset and the growth <laughs> mindset. And, you know, it's the ABC. You always got to be closing, like <laughs> just planting these oh on their God. Facebook Live." Um, anyway, I digress, but. What were we saying? The inability to say yeah, no. So I, I think it is a personal boundary slash confidence slash practicing using that muscle of saying no. Yes. Yeah. I, I feel that I am a I'm a people pleaser. I have a hard time setting boundaries and being like, no, I'm not gonna do this. I always feel the pressure, like, oh, I should do this. I haven't hung out with them in so long. And it is difficult sometimes because you want to participate, you want to be a part of this, but you like said the the less you do this, the more you just constantly give in, the harder it is to say all of a sudden I have the resolve to be like, no, this is going to be the day where I stop. Yeah, I'm also a people pleaser. I'm also an extrovert. So I want to do all the things. And sometimes I can't do it because it's not in my budget and I've chosen that. And sometimes I can't do it because I'm just burned out and I need time alone. So for me, I love how you said it's a confidence issue and, and, you know, I obviously think it's a boundary issue, but I think also just knowing that if you do say no, you're not missing out forever. 
you're missing out for this one single time. And I think it's human nature to think that we have to say yes and that people will be mad or that they will be disappointed or they will make us feel guilty or we'll miss out. And so they won't be mad. If they're mad, that's on them. I would add to that that don't get caught in the moment with your friends and family. Mm-hmm. The weekend's coming up. It's Thursday night. Flick the group text. Hey, everyone, just give me the heads up. I'm broke, bitches. Like, <laughs> I'm, if we go out, it's coffee on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You're welcome to come over for dinner and we'll, you know, bring a salad and that. I think that, you know, what is it? The best offense is the defense or something like that. The best defense best is... This is a great offense. Yeah, whatever yeah, that is. is. <laughs> so, something yeah, about football, I don't yeah. know. How can you be proactive and control the narrative yourself with your friends? Yeah, I think, I think too. Because you then you're not saying no. Exactly. And you said an expectation. I think that's key. It's like it's not like you're just like, oh, he he just Chris doesn't want to do anything. It's like we know Chris is on a budget and mm-hmm. he has certain limitations and he's made that clear. And like you said, it's kinda of like the muscle, like not only do you build up the, the ability to say no and set your own boundaries, they build up the understanding of what you are and are not going to be able to do. And I think it's good to have that understanding. And you can only get that from being just upfront and direct and just letting people know this is what I can and can't do. So sorry. And I think particularly with your peer group take them with you like if you've got friends the same age more likely than not you're all in the same life cycle trying to all mm. save a house and maybe starting a family it's like hey is everyone else trying to save for something in their life yeah, <laughs> yeah we are okay well let's not go and spend two hundred dollars out at the club this saturday night what are your friends doing glenn <laughs> <laughs> sorry that's 200 australian dollars so it's about 15 dollars okay, us okay yeah. i'm like my goodness gracious yeah so i think it is a practice thing hey we're going to take a break and we'll be back right after this if you're after personal financial advice don't get it from a podcast if you would like help based on your own personal situation head over to sortyourmoneyout.com click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors our panel of advisors mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over australia so they can connect with you wherever you are that's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com people today this mother's day celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from blue nile whether it's for your mom a mother figure or yourself as a mom find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation explore blue nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns make this mother's day unforgettable with a piece from blue nile right now get up to 50 percent off at blue That's BlueNile.com. Okay, we're back. We've got the community segment of the week, guys. Are you ready for this? We asked the Facebook group, what's your most recent money win? I'm going to start. Kayla Moak, I invoiced my biggest one-off job through my ABM for a task that I would have done for free. I finally realized my worth. Amen, sister. Mm. How good's that? 
I love it. Because we don't, we don't realize sometimes that the things that come easy to us, we should be paid for them. Just because it's easy doesn't mean that we're not doing something and shouldn't be receive money yeah. in return. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like this is the time now where people are realizing, oh, I should stop letting myself get ripped off. Like I need to, I need to speak up, right? Because I think it's just it's people are talking about it in public, so now we all see it. It's like, hey, you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna do it next time I get the opportunity. Yeah. Do you guys see anything on the list there that's fun? I see something that's fun. This is from Dan. Dan Hanley says, we saved enough to pay our wedding in full and not owe money. If we can save that much in a little time span, then saving for our house is a little less daunting. It's a fascinating. Once you got a goal with a deadline, how much money you can save, isn't it? Yeah. Well, exactly. and, and a goal you care about. Yes. Right? Because yeah. then you know, okay, this is my priority. This is what I value. I think that we tend to not save when we don't see the value in what we're saving for or we haven't thought about it. Yes. Okay, so the question before the break, if someone didn't want to go out, maybe they don't have a goal strong enough that they care about to say, mm. get stuffed, I'm not going out to the club this week because I want my new wedding, I want my new car. Yep, my new, new house. New wedding. New Statistically, <laughs> you know, you'll get married twice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just a thought. Chris, see anything there that's fun? Yeah, you know what? This one... It intrigued me here because uh, I've been, you know, tempted by a new car. So this is from uh, Jessica, backed out of buying a brand new car. And, you know, I thought this was interesting because sometimes I think we, we, we really celebrate buying a new car. I was just talking to a friend about this. Like, people will come up to you, oh, man, congratulations, you bought a new car. I'm like, I just, they just spent money. That wasn't like an accomplishment. Anyone could just go spend money. But we get hyped up in this. And, Glenn, I drove a Tesla mm. the other day. Mm. And... My eyes glossed over for a second. My wallet opened up and I had to pull myself back <laughs> because I almost lost a lot of money. I, I was proud of myself the other day. I got in an Uber that was a Tesla and I didn't make a comment about it being a Tesla. Oh, that's <laughs> good. Because you know they're waiting for you. They're I know, I know, I know. Don't give them what they no, want. Exactly. Nope, you're not going to no, give it to them. Someone car, else can. Just a car. I'm in these things all the time. Yeah, Tesla. What? Actually, um, I went to a corporate event in Sydney and it was the Tesla Australia's owners club or something like that and we got to take the teslas around a racetrack oh yeah that's my dream i want to i just want to drive cars fast so do that's i all i want so do i but it's it's funny like the whole brand new car thing i've jokingly said to my friends congratulations on the loan <laughs> <laughs> that's did, a that's a true well. friend you did that's well that's a true friend. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, think about it. Would you say, I mean, I know obviously like interest rates, whatever for a credit card is different, but would you say, congratulations on your credit card debt? You know, I'm saying, Allison, I just bought a brand new outfit using buy now, pay later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's celebrate. So, but you know, but it's because we live in a world that values stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's you know, what it is. I, I, have you guys ever bought a brand new car? No. I have. Yeah. And I regretted it by the day. Really? Yeah. yeah. I have not. I, I've bought two in my time. Uh, one of them was a, a, a Subaru Outback, brand new one. It's I just, very Australian of you, isn't oh, it? Oh, I just wanted one. <laughs> it was the like, top of the line one. Had all, it's like, it was the one was like options, none, like because it got it all. Like, the, <laughs> anyway, I said to them, I'm like, hey, when I come and get this, I don't want the BS. I don't want the bow on the bonnet. <laughs> I don't need the photo op. I don't, I don't care. It's no different than a pair of jeans for me. It's a consumable that I'm buying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they thought I was weird. Yeah. But I am. <laughs> in all, in all right. the best ways, though. In all the best ways. Totally. Yeah. Um, anyway, we'll move right along. But good one for backing up. Actually, it's funny. In this climate, 
it might be cheaper to buy a new car at yes. the moment than a second hand because of the supply and demand stuff. But I, I bought a used car. I bought a 2014 and 2018. Yep. It is worth more now oh my than when I bought it four years ago. That's yeah. crazy. It's no sense. Yeah, my current car, I could sell for more than what I pay for it. Wow. So I'm actually just thinking so about... I'm thinking about flipping it and then just be like getting rid of it and there's like free depreciation like didn't happen. I'm tempted. I'm tempted too. Yeah. Uh, what else have we got here before we move along? Oh, here we go. Lyndon Williamson. Saved up enough to travel overseas for the first time. So, wonderful. So thanks everyone for sharing your money wins. Uh, we really love doing this part of the podcast and we'll get Nathan to bump us out with some music back into the episode. Thanks, Nate. All right, let's bring it home. Stuff the other questions. I just want to chat with you guys. Alison. Yes. Worst piece of financial advice you've been given. Ooh, worst piece of financial advice I've ever been given. Oh my gosh, I can't even think of this. I got some bad advice. I've heard some weird things. Yeah. Um, I'd say one was, hey man, you shouldn't pay off that credit card. You got to leave that balance there because then now the credit bureaus are going to know that the money's there, that you're responsible. And it's going to help your credit score skyrocket. And I was like, I don't think that's how that works. But they were just convinced that if you pay it off, then no, it's going to be, you have nothing to report to the to them. So how can you have good credit if you don't if you Gosh. keep paying off your balance? I do have one. Someone I knew it would come. Someone told me once, whenever my husband and I were working to pay off our debt, they said, Don't ever pay off your student loans because you can you can get rid of that interest on your taxes. <laughs> and you can cut that off of your taxes. And so they were like, So just keep them around forever as much as you can. Mm. Because that's good for your taxes. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy fallacies and old wives' tales out there. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're here to do, dispel them. It really is. It kind of reminds me of high school. Mm. You know, like you hear all the rumors. I, there would be so many stupid rumors in high school like about when you could actually drive a car or, oh, what? this is how this Like, just the, the dumbest thing. I'm like, who told you this? Like, you know, this guy, he's a reliable source. And I feel like we, that just continues into adulthood. Like, people don't say, you know, this doesn't sound reasonable. They're just like, you know, hey, someone I trust told me this, so it must be right, so I'm going with it. And you know where you see the worst of it? On TikTok. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, what would you say is the best thing that you've done for yourself and your family financially? Oh, that is a great question. And I'm looking at you next, Allison. Okay. You know, I would say the best thing is that I've done. I would say it would be, which sounds kind of weird, but kind of backing off a little bit. I was so focused on, I got to pay off all this debt. I have to save. We have to be investing. I was just one thing after another, goal after goal after goal, and taking as much money as possible and putting it towards that with no flexibility, no room to enjoy anything. And I was not, I was not enjoying anything. I was just all about moving to the next thing. I think the best thing I did was say, no, look, I have to pull back from this. I can't constantly always be focusing on the next financial goal that could pop up. You, have, We have a long life we have to live. Mm. And it's all about enjoying the fruits of your labor. Mm. Yeah, like, all those hours you put in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think as well, like, I really encourage people, if you've just smashed out a big goal, just have some breathing space. Yes. You can save money for no reason other than not spending it. Like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean... For me, growing up in my early 20s, I was a really horrendous saver because I wanted to spend every living cent that was in my life and it was amazing. Yeah, that was me too. And I had to turn myself into a good investor. I'm a crap saver. Still am. 
but I'm a great investor. What would you say is the most beneficial thing that you've done for your family or person, life, blah, blah, blah? (laughs) I would say for me, it was being willing to work alongside my husband on this journey and doing it together. Because for us, neither of us knew what we were doing when we were starting out, which honestly was really good, I think, because neither of us were the ones who knew it all. We figured it out together. We communicate openly about money. I own my faults as a spender. I can see when I'm going into like a spending cycle and he can respectfully call it out as well. So I would say communicating in a respectful way and realizing that we're working towards the same goal, not against each other. How do you um, limit? So this is what I've learned, right? is because we are bags of chemicals Mm -hmm. and particularly when we're on the spendy side of the equation, we can have what we call financial blowouts. Now, for me, it really came apparent when I went to the city one day with friends, uh, went into the department store, went home with a $1,100, $1,200 Apple Watch. Now, I didn't wake up that morning planning to buy an Apple Watch, right? So, for me, I put systems in place so if I have the blowout, it's not a $1,000 blowout, it's a $50 or $100 blowout. So I'm still not restricting me, I'm still allowing that I've got room to be me, but if I go to our equivalent of Home Depot, mm-hmm. I can walk out with the 15 power boards that I didn't know I needed, or the big pack of 20 batteries, you know, right. and, and it's it's okay. not a, a critical issue. You have some interesting shopping habits over there. <laughs> don't they, don't they have at the front of the store, like the big bin of like power boards and watering cans that they've got in on sale. Okay. Yeah. okay. We know what you like to buy now. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Going to keep all my electronics powered. Yeah. So how do you govern the spender in you? Oh, so this took time and practice and failure. It yeah. took learning about me. So I get into seasons of spending, um, usually around the holidays. And then I got into a really bad season of spending when we moved into our new house because I wanted to make it a home. And I continue to spend and spend and spend. And I get to the point, Glenn, where I crave spending, where I will be sitting in a conversation with someone and I'm thinking about what I want to buy. And so it's, it's an unhealthy relationship. And when I realize that and I feel that, I know that I need very clear boundaries and accountability. So I will go to my husband and I will say, okay, I know that I've been going overboard. And it's not that like we're going into <laughs> Mommy debt. Mommy needs some dopamine. <laughs> it's not that we're going into debt. Gimme, but it's gimme. That, <laughs> but it's that we're not saving as much or investing mm. as much as I as we should be mm. because of my habits. And it's because of this, you know, almost like addiction. It feels like an addiction. Addiction to and, dopamine. Yes. And so what ends up what I end up saying is I say, okay, I am I have to fully detox. And I and for me personally, it's the credit card because that you know, Mama wants her travel points, but yeah. I have to do that in a way that is beneficial for our family. So I will detox myself, and then I will have accountability, and I will say, okay, I'm not going to spend on the credit card unless we agree on the purchase, other than our like normal bills that come out on it. And my husband, the one who doesn't like to spend money, is so sweet, and he says, I'll do the same thing. Mm. But he doesn't ever spend on the credit card. But it's that respect. And so it's having that. So I know that if I need to turn to him and say, okay, I want to buy this thing on Amazon that popped up. And I'm like, no, I don't. And it just gives me that 
extra boundary, that extra accountability. And it works for me. And after a couple of weeks, that that desire to spend fades. So, Chris, you're a personal finance educator personality. Allison is as well, obviously. You've yes. mentioned, you know, mummy needs her points and her miles and all that. <laughs> Heck yeah. What's your relationship with credit cards and educating people about credit cards? You know, I get really torn about credit cards at times because I, I have a bad history with them. I should say, hey, this, this is my team from oh. Australia. This is Hi. Jess hey. and nice Rachel. You. Rachel's the producer. You would have. This is Jess. And Hi, Jess. I'm Allison. Nice to meet you. So Rachel will be glitch checking this episode. Good. Once it's edited, we glitch check it and she says, Glenn, I'm cutting that out because the sponsor will cancel you if you say that. Oh, there we go. We were talking about mummy needing her dopamine before. I get happiness from spending money. (laughs) I find joy in giving it all away in exchange for stuff I don't really need or experiences that I value. So anyway, we'll be done in five, so... So you get torn, Chris. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I get torn about credit cards because that was the reason why I had financial troubles was because just kind of let the spending get out of control because it's so easy just to pull out a credit card. And you don't feel it because your bank account still stays at the same balance. But at the same time. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But at the same time, it's still a really great tool. It, it has all these benefits because, you know, you can avoid so many fraud situations. I mean, there are points you can help you travel for free. I've used it for that in many situations. But you have to just know yourself. And we're not always good at knowing ourselves. And there's so many of us, I've been there before, where you're like, I'll be fine, even though I know I'm not going to be fine. And I grab the credit card, and then I just get myself in trouble. And so that's why I'm torn, because they're great tools. They have a lot of benefits. But at the same time, you have to really know yourself and be able to limit yourself. And if you're not good at that, you should not grab a credit card and use it at all. Just use a debit card, use cash if you know you can't, but you have to be honest with yourself. Do you talk about credit cards fluently with your audience? Oh, yes, I do. I fully believe that you should not use a credit card until you have the self-discipline to pay it off in full. And um, even if you have credit card debt, that you can't, if you can't pay it off in full every month, then I think just almost like detoxing yourself of it, resetting, giving your, yourself an opportunity to reset those habits Focus on creating self-discipline and then 100% use them if you can use them responsibly. When I first started my journey, if you had handed me a credit card, we would be in so much debt. I would not have, I didn't have the self-discipline. I wouldn't have been responsible. But now I know myself enough. I know the boundaries I need to set. I'm educated about them and how they can impact both positively and negatively your finances. And so I'm willing to take on that responsibility. But sometimes we have to overcome something else before we take on that extra responsibility. Mm, interesting. Mm. It is interesting. Well, I, I've got a bit of a different view. <gasps> what is your view? You know, credit cards aren't designed by banks as a friendly fun tool. No, oh, they no, are not. not so no. they, most of the time, on balance, society can't pay off the card in time. And they accrue interest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know, like, how many times have I'm like, I'm not going to eat this ice cream. And then I, last time, last yeah. time, and I'm eating. I, I just think you can, and it, given it is different in Australia, like, it is 
with the points and all that, they don't actually go as far in Australia. Um, I just don't go anywhere near it. I mean, if someone yeah, wants to use a credit card, knock yourself out. Mm-hmm. Now, my company owns a credit card and I only got that recently to bring my team to the States because if I'm paying two, four, six, I think the whole trip to bring the team to the States was about 40 grand Australian in total. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted that Amex. So I'm just not in a pickle overseas when I've got stuff right. to pay. But me personally, I don't use a credit card day on day, week on week. I don't have one in my own name. Wow. And, you know, as a, as a, a financial influencer in Australia, what can happen is I can say Apple is a, a stock on the S&P 500 index. Mm-hmm. I can say that just as a fact and people will hear it, Glenn recommends Amex. Mm. I could say I do crystal meth on Saturdays only <laughs> as a bit of a, a kicker. Other people might hear it, Glenn does crystal meth. It must be fine and they don't know how to use it and they think they can have one and they get caught out. Mm. So I just made a rule in my life. Mm. I don't teach that you need to use a credit card. And I think on balance, you can do just as fine because once you get into that getting points and gamifying or gamifying, mm-hmm. you might inadvertently spend more anyway without the pain. Yeah. So, but within all that, between, you know, credit cards are the best and Dave Ramsey, I don't care where you sit on the spectrum, mm-hmm. but this is what Glenn James does and this is why. Yeah. And I think it's good to have, you know, balanced discussions because there are strict savers, the engineers, we run a spreadsheet, we use the credit card, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But we know on balance, my listeners, society, can't use them and they pay interest on them. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things that's been I've been conflicted with mm. is that the only reason that points can exist is because clearly they're making money yes. off of other people's bad situations where they're paying interest. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's almost conflicting things. Like, do I feel good benefiting off of the fact that I'm basically spending someone else's interest payments that they were stuck. It's a very paying. interesting way to look at it. Yeah, we joke with my friend Dirty Mike, who I always shout out and shame on the podcast. Oh, I he's love my best it friend. when we shame people on the yeah. podcast. <laughs> Let's do it. Dirty Mike, pastime. you're such a jerk. Yeah, so I made Dirty Mike. It was so funny. Like, I used points once for something, like mm-hmm. years ago when I had the credit card. And I'm like, oh, I just used points for this. And Mike was like, I paid $90 this month in interest. Thanks for the like. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but it, it's just, it's wild, right? Because, you know, the points thing, I can as a business. So, I'll, I'll just for the sake of my audience, right, how Australia works. And it's probably similar here. And we've got two minutes and I'll let you people go and get on with your life and never see you guys again. <laughs> I'm glad so, we made a lasting impression. Yeah, that's right. So, Qantas Frequent Flyer Program. It's got nothing, it's not part of the Qantas company. It's a separate entity and it's probably worth more than the Qantas airline itself. Like that's the thing. Wow. So I can have a a restaurant. I can go to Qantas Frequent Flyer, buy points from them and then entice people to come to my restaurant and you get a dollar per dollar. You get a point per dollar. So it's a tool to lure people in to spend more in their place or whatever. Yes. So once you really know how it all works, there's no such thing as free money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Uh, But it's just being aware. And if in doubt, don't. Yes. Especially if you already have it, you already have that debt and you can't keep up, just don't even use it. Yeah. Don't even use the credit card. And I would say if you've paid one cent of interest Mm -hmm. on a credit card in the last one month, last one year, 
you categorically can't afford that mm-hmm. yeah. or you've got sloppy money management mm-hmm. and you need to sort that out. Yeah. That's one thing I actually did right. My mom instilled a fear of credit cards in me. I didn't know why. I probably wasn't listening to her <laughs> when she was teaching me maybe. I don't know. But she always said, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And when I, by that time, I had like this healthy fear. And anyway, I've never paid a cent of interest ever on yeah. a credit card. But have you overspent gamifying it? Listen, I don't want to have this conversation, Glenn. <laughs> but look, is, look, we're getting to the close to the end of the show, guys. It was great having you on. But no, but it's a, it's a good chat because we get sucked into society thinking that we have to do things yep. and we don't. So I just think you, you know, if you want to try a credit card, you knock yourself out. But if you can't control yourself, guess what? You lay in the bed you make for yourself mm-hmm. and you're to blame. And, it's and okay. that sounds harsh. It does, but it's also okay to change your mind, get yeah. a credit card, realize it's not for you and close it. Yeah. And it's also okay to develop self-discipline, get one and use it as a tool. So it's okay to go back and forth. But just for the record, your honor, on transcription <laughs> when this is read out in court, Glenn James does not advocate anyone needing a credit card. No. No, no one needs a credit card. No, no. no. And I think it's, again, I think where your stance is makes complete sense. Yeah. Because you can operate completely without a credit card. It's not necessary to exist in society society with a credit card. You can Mm -hmm. just be cash and be living your life. Right. And the psychology of it, I don't like short-term debt or anything hanging over my head. Mm -hmm. Like before this trip, this is so wild and everyone's going to at me and all this stuff. (laughs) Like we just did our national tour and because I had the card, I was like, yeah, stuff it. I flushed a hundred grand of point, like a hundred thousand dollars of money through the Amex card in the my operating business for the tour, right? Mm-hmm. And we only use it when you don't pay an extra thing for points uh, for using the card, right? I'm like, well, I've got it. We're going to use it. Just it was literally a tool in the business. And before I came to the states, there was forty thousand dollars owing on it through the business. Mm-hmm. I just I just transferred fifty grand over there because I knew that we're going to spend two, four, six, eight grand in the hotel here when we checked in the next week. Mm-hmm. So I don't like that short-term debt hanging over me. Mm-hmm. I like to have an accurate cash, cash position in my life because that gives Glenn James comfort and knowing what my actual yeah. cash position is. Yeah. yeah. I am with you on that because even though I do use a credit card, I almost always pay it off immediately. Like I will literally use it and then sit there, pull up the app on my phone and pay it off because I don't yep. I don't like it because then yep. if I forget and I'm like, oh no, this balance is much bigger than I thought it was you yeah. know, a week ago. So yeah. I, get, I get that feeling. And that's what I mean. Like my comments are worth exactly what you paid for them. So I'm not mad if you disagree <laughs> with me, everyone. Yeah. But it's just great to have a diverse range mm-hmm. of opinion and views of how we manage money, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We shouldn't all do it the same. No. no one, everyone's unique. We're not cookie cutter. It's okay if you disagree. You have to find what works for you. Totally. Do you guys still love me? I oh, mean, yeah. it's I'm on the fence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll love me after I say, give your podcasts, joint podcasts, individual podcasts, give your book a shout out, all that stuff. Allison, sell us something. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, if you're already listening to a podcast, you should go check out the Inspired Budget podcast. That's where I talk. I bring on guests. I do solo episodes. And, I, you know, I really aim to focus on helping women develop confidence with their money. And then Chris and I are really good friends. We have a joint podcast. It's called This Is Awkward. It's really fun, very lighthearted. And we discuss people's uncomfortable money situations. And what's great about it is 
if you don't have, if you, that ha- situation hasn't happened to you yet, it might in the future. You so now you know prepared. how to handle it. Yeah. And Chris, sell us something. All right. And you know what? On the Zucker, you can come join us live. We're on YouTube. So we record it live. So come join us over there if you want to go. Really? Look yeah. for us. It's actually on Fancy. the Popcorn Finance YouTube channel, yeah, which is cool. the podcast I host. So go look for that and come join me over there. If you got a couple of minutes and you want to hear something about, I guess, American finances and what we got going on over there. Awesome. Come join me. And how do I, how do I get a guest spot on Inspired Budget? Um, you buy me a drink after this. All right. Let's press stop now. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. We really appreciate you um, listening. You've got a choice of what to listen to. And if you're still listening to this, thank you. And if you found this uh, episode beneficial, maybe you can forward it to someone who might also find it beneficial. So thanks, Alison. Thanks, Chris. And we'll see you guys soon. Thanks. Great joining you. Bye. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.